Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you are tuning in. Welcome. You are most welcome. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt a little bit like, oh, I really want to connect with this person. I really want to, to, to build trust. I want to build rapport. I, I want to get to know this person and I, I want them to get to know me. But there's this little bit of awkwardness, right? A little bit of strangeness that we can't seem to get around, whether it's on their end or on your end. And you're left kind of feeling like, man, that's a missed opportunity. What I love about today's guest, his name is Robin Dreek. Not Drake, Robin Dreek. Hopefully you'll come away with some tips about um, you know, what you can do and, and how you can approach that next conversation with your team, with your supervisor, with your family and friends. Robin Dreek is a social psychologist. He's the former head of the FBI's behavioral analysis program. And now he's the founder of People Formula. This man feels strongly about the power of healthy relationships, the power of building on a solid foundation. And he's written several books, including Sizing People Up, It's Not All About Me, 10 Techniques for Building Quick Rapport with Anyone, and also The Code of Trust, an American counterintelligence expert's five roles to lead and succeed. That is quite a mouthful. (laughs) So... Robin will be joining us shortly. In the meantime, I'd love for you to stick around, listen to a preview of today's episode, and we'll be right back. It's time for a sneak peek. I think this is where your expertise comes in. You know, how do you do it in a way? How do you build rapport? in a way that doesn't come off as creepy or as, you know, this person is is really investigating this other person. I need to tip them off. Two, I'm going to talk in terms of their priorities, because if I'm not talking in terms of what's important to them, why are they even bothering listening? Three, I'm going to validate who they are, their thoughts, opinions, ideas without judging them, because people just want to be understood and they want to be clearly heard. Um, not necessarily agreed with, but that's fine, but just want to be validated. And, and four, if appropriate, empower them with choices because you only give people that you value and want to affiliate with choices. So if you build one of those four things into everything you say and write, I guarantee your dopamine's flowing in the brain, pleasure centers, oxytocin, serotonin, everything's firing because the entire conversation is completely about them. Sneak peek, sneak peek. I'm Dr. Heather Walker. And this is Lead with Levity. I help leaders create awesome work environments where communication is light, enjoyable, and uplifting. I shed light on the power of levity at work. Imagine just how much you can get done in that kind of environment. Come explore with me. Everyone, welcome back. Today we have Robin Dreek. Robin is a social psychologist. He's also 
the former head of the FBI's behavioral analysis program, and now the founder of People Formula. And Robin feels really strongly about uh, the power of personal relationships. And as I mentioned earlier, he has a couple of books out, as well as some that are coming out. And one thing that I'm really looking forward to in this particular interview is picking Robin's brain about all of the different nuances of conversation and relationship building and rapport building for those of you out there. So Robin, uh, that was a long intro, but (laughs) (laughs) welcome. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Heather. And uh, great to be with you and getting up early for us with you. Love it. Right. So (laughs) I do appreciate that. You know, you sound like you've at least had a couple cups of coffee this morning, which is really important. One. One. (laughs) We'll be doing more in a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So how long were you with the FBI? Um, A little over 21 years. And um, before that, I was in the Marine Corps for five years and as an officer, and I graduated from the Naval Academy. So I did four years there. So all in total, I had over 30 years of um, government service. And when we talk about behavioral analysis, what does that typically mean? What are you? What do you do? Um, I can tell you about what I did. Yeah. As you know, in, in this world, there are lots and lots of ways to do behavioral analysis. Lots of focus on different things and aspects. Um, my behavioral analysis for me throughout my entire career, um, both inside the FBI, outside the FBI, really came down to communication with people and leading. Um, everything really comes down to a leadership position where you actually have a goal in sight. You're trying to get either an individual to, a team to, or a situation to, organization to. um, And you think about how I can strategically do that with people. And because that's what leadership is, you know, it's one aspect of it anyway, is moving towards a goal with either one or a group of people. And like in the Marine Corps, it was, you know, leading there, um, you know, leading other Marines. And in the FBI, my job was recruit foreign spies. <laughs> Recruit foreign spies. That was my job in the FBI, uh, um, which which is leadership, really. Uh, okay. You said your job was your job was to recruit foreign spies. Yep. Inside the, you know, so my job inside the FBI, um, both as an agent on the street and leading the behavioral analysis program was to strategize, in many cases, how to recruit a foreign spy. And that requires a massive amount of uh, behavioral analysis to come up with ways that how can I basically strategize trust and strategize a a strong, healthy professional relationship, which to me is leadership. Okay. I have to dive a little bit deeper into that because that is so cool. Um, So so what, what does the process look like of, of recruiting a foreign spy? Do you have to go to their country? Are you looking for people here in the U S who are from other countries? How, How does that work? So yeah, inside the FBI, we're domestic. So it's basically, you know, trying to recruit individuals that are part of their foreign, you know, foreign services. And generally they are part of diplomatic establishments and and, uh, embassies and missions that are pretending to be diplomats, but are actually in reality, um, special services or their uh, intelligence officers collecting intel from our country. And so the process, it's, it's like any, I call it the toughest sales job in the world mm. because my job was selling a product and my product was American patriotism. I'm selling to individuals that 
don't necessarily want to buy that product, which are the foreign intelligence officers. Right. No, the funny part then too is by treaty, it's illegal for me to actually walk up and initiate a conversation with them. So not only do I have a product they don't want to buy, it's illegal for me to actually walk up and try to sell it to them. And in law enforcement, typically people have a compulsion to want to talk to you because they've done something wrong. Well, 99% of the time, these foreign intelligence officers aren't doing any illegal activity. They're collecting open source information and sourcing it to individuals that makes it intelligence. And that's not illegal. So I always say, how do you recruit a foreign spy? You don't. You do what you do in any situation with any human being. You figure out what their priorities are, their needs, wants, dreams, and aspirations. And basically every human being to me is exceptionally predictable. They will always act in their own best interest. My job was to figure out what they thought was in their best interest and offer my resources in terms of those things. And so in other words, if, if some individual, you know, dying wish of their mother, grandfather, or even a family member was that their children don't grow up in the regime in which they live and then want to grow up here, mm. I offer a resource. That's the sales. It's really not, it's really, I call, I call this stuff really not complicated. You know, just understand what the priorities of the other human beings are and offer them resources. And, um, and hopefully they have resources for your priorities. So you have to get fairly close to them, right? To be able to do that? Sure. Well, just like in anything, if you have a hard time getting to the CEO of a company, you know, it's going to make the decision. What are you doing? You're actually talking to people he talks to. Um, his underlings, other clients, other customers to try to figure out, all right, what's this guy's priorities? What's important to him? What's the mission of the company? What can I do to offer resources that he's going to want to buy? So it's really pretty much the same thing. So when an intelligence officer is trying to collect intelligence, they're looking to people in universities, think tanks, industry, and they're trying to get information uh, that fills information gaps uh, from their particular country. And so I'm talking to those individuals trying to learn about the individual I'm trying to sell my product to. And also making it so that when they find out, you know, that there's this individual like me that has resources that actually overlaps with their priorities, say, you know, they're looking for a college education for their children, mm-hmm. or they're looking to immigrate or, or switch up, um, that they know where to go. And that's through me. So if, if they're spies and they're collecting information, uh, don't they see you coming? Don't they see, oh, well, he, I know him. I know what he does, and I'm not. I'm not for that. Aren't they already kind of? Don't they already have their guards up? Sometimes, and and that's fine. You know, so there's two methodologies. Well, there's probably many more than that, but there's two methodologies that um, that intelligence services will use. One, they'll try to use a covert approach where they don't know who they're talking to, and you try to trick them into cooperating without them realizing it. And that is not what I believe in because as soon as any attempt of subterfuge or deception is is even suspected. You don't have trust, no trust, no relationship, and things blow up. Or you can just become what we call the lighthouse. You become the beacon that they know where to go. And so I, I'm more on the on the beacon side. You know, if people know where to go and they have an inclination, you know, you make it safe and easy for them to find you. So that's kind of the side I believe in. Mm, okay. And then when you're working with the underlings and the people around them mm-hmm. and and you're trying to collect information about that person. Mm-hmm. I think this is where your expertise comes in. You know, how do you do it in a way? How do you build rapport in a way that doesn't come off as creepy or <laughs> as, you know, this person is is really investigating this other person. I need to tip them off. Sure. And <laughs> 
it's the same with every uh, situation and every individual to me um, because every human being is seeking craving to want to be affiliated and be valued by the organizations they belong to because our ancient tribal brain wants to belong to meaningful groups and organizations and feel valued by those same organizations. We're genetically coded for this. What we're always looking for is we're, how can we demonstrate value and how, how do we demonstrate affiliation with other human beings? So I have these three anchors that I live my life by and these three end goals in every situation I encounter is my number one goal and objective always is to have a healthy professional relationship. Number two is open, honest communication and transparency because you cannot have that healthy relationship without open, honest communication and transparency. I'm the counterintelligence guy to tell you, I will not lie to you. I won't use deception. I won't use subterfuge and I'll let you know exactly what I hope that we can communicate on together. And my third is I'm an available resource for the success and prosperity of others without expectation or reciprocity. And that last part there, no expectation or reciprocity is really key because that means I'm not trying to do this for self gain and I'm going to be transparent with everything. And I'm actually here for your success. Um, so those are my three anchors. And then the four ways, uh, the four things to make sure oh. that the entire conversations about the other person, their, their dopamine's flowing and all these things is easy. I'm going to seek their thoughts and opinions. Because we want to seek thoughts and opinions of people that we value and want to affiliate with. Two, I'm going to talk in terms of their priorities because if I'm not talking in terms of what's important to them, why are they even bothering listening? Three, I'm going to validate who they are, their thoughts, opinions, ideas without judging them because people just want to be understood and they want to be clearly heard. Um, not necessarily agreed with, but that's fine, but just want to be validated. And, and four, if appropriate, empower them with choices because you only give people that you value want to affiliate with choices. So if you build one of those four things into everything you say and write, I guarantee your dopamine's flowing in the brain, pleasure centers, oxytocin, serotonin, everything's firing because the entire conversation is completely about them. That's how. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, one thing that we focus on here on this show is is levity and levity at work. And uh, when we talk about levity, it's it's interactions between people that are that are buoyant, they're amusing, they're edifying. And when we start to stack all of that up, we we create an environment that's rich for creativity. Teams that work really well together, people who feel like they belong. And it sounds like your your four. Uh, pillar process of building rapport with people is really would be really key and helpful to helping people get to a point where oh I feel validated here I feel empowered and and I trust the people that I work with. Absolutely it's important. Absolutely, yeah. it's all about tr- creating that trust um, and a trusted place to work to freely express. And you say levity, you know, humor. You know, if if levity becomes part of humor, you know, we don't laugh with people unless we trust them. You know, I mean, think about times when you might have been in an audience or in a group setting where someone told a joke or said a, a quippy one-liner and everyone laughed but you. And you're like, right. these people? It's because you don't actually respect or like the person that told it, you know? So having an atmosphere of levity is huge. Mm. So with everything going on in, in our, our government right now, the climate, all of that, I, it, it's rare that most of us get to talk to someone who's had that kind of inside experience sure. and insight into what's going on. So that's why I'm I'm digging in a little bit sure. <laughs> more into that than than your current organization. But it's just fascinating to me to be able to go and and talk to someone who works for another another country. And I think that there is this general sense that uh, we're America and and we've got 
more than than what other countries have. But at the same time, you know, it, you're right. It is just all about getting down to the individual level, finding out what's important to them um, oh, yeah. and connecting uh, with them at that that point. You know, it, and that's a, a great point. Um, so I, part of my experiences was I was in, uh, I served in New York City uh, for the first part of my career, probably nine or 10 years. And I was there during 9-11 in our office about five blocks away. And I had an engine uh, that hit the South Tower, landed about 30 feet from my car, um, wow. a bunch of people jumping from the towers. And you know, I worked counterintelligence in New York, but during the six months after that, everyone worked nothing but terrorism. And I remember coming home every day. Um, you know, we worked 12 hour shifts, 12 on, 12 off, didn't count, count the commute, seven days a week for four or five months nonstop. I was most exhausting. It was like being in a battle zone. So exhausting. And I remember going home every day saying to myself, you know, I got to save the world. And every day after you did what you did, you followed some leads, you interviewed some people and you went home at the end of the day and said, oh my gosh, I didn't save the world. I got to do more. I got to do more. Mm. And that's where you get in that overworking uh, situation. And yeah. remember about a year into it, it finally hit me. You can't save the world, but you can make a difference one person at a time. And so that's what, and that's what you just said. It's about, you know, making these one-on-one connections. You're an available resource for the success of others. Use that word available because I will not impose myself in your life if you don't want me. <laughs> uh, resources. Right. I don't offer help because help says I'm, I have some sense of superiority in something. No, I have resources. You have resources. Let's just talk if we overlap. Um, prosperity is that key word to me because everyone might define prosperity very differently. And again, that key right there, no expectation reciprocity. And this is where it's my check and balance. You know, am I being a good resource and steward for others one-on-one or not? And keeps it balanced. I love everything that you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Surprising from this type A guy, you know, that's what's really funny about everyone says what are your books about i said my books my books are my manuals on how not to be the moron i was born to be (laughs) i am am that typical type of guy i'm a naval academy marine corps officer fbi guy that is a hardcore type a if you're going to use those that kind of personality in the world where you're selling a product that no one wants to buy you're going to fail majestically so it's all about you know years ago when i was in the marine corps i was ranked last out of all these second lieutenants it's a story I tell very often. And I remember going to the major at the time and said, all right, sir, I'm doing something wrong. What am I doing wrong? He said, you just need to make it about everyone else but yourself. And he said, you need to be a better leader. And I go, how? And he goes, just do it. And so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm like, so how do you, and so basically everything. I Maybe just, you need to be a better leader, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had it down, but see, if you're born doing these things, you have no idea what you're doing. You're just being you. And if you're not born doing these things, you're trying to mimic behaviors of others. And so maybe he needs to be a better leader. Well, um, he actually was a very good leader. He just didn't know what he was doing because he was born doing this. And so it became my life study about how do you do exactly what he said? How do you make a conversation about someone else? And what I said earlier, those four pillars, seek their thoughts and opinions, talk in terms of their priorities, validate them and empower them with choices. That's what he didn't know. That's what he was doing every day. So that's how you make a conversation about everyone's but yourself. So it became my life's pursuit to figure out what all these great people around me, the ones where they're amazingly successful at, at being charismatic and developing trust at, at recruiting spies, what were they actually doing? I broke it down. I call it the new car effect. You know, that same Ooh. effect. When you buy that new make and model, all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. For me, it's a Toyota Tundra pickup truck. As soon as I bought my truck, I saw everyone in my town, 300 people bought the same truck. 
And it's because you gave it label and meaning. So when you give behaviors, labels, and meanings, you can recognize them so much faster and you can implement them and enhance them. And it just becomes a, a, an added part of who you are. So that's what this whole thing has been about. All right. So let's segue into, uh, oh, oh, we talked a little bit about the theoretical side of it. Yes, let's put labels on behaviors. Yes, we have these four pillars. Let's help out the people who are a little bit awkward and strange around other people. What are your recommendations for those individuals? Like I, I'm in a room with someone else. I'm at a networking event. I've got to, I've got to build rapport. How, how do I do this? How do I even approach a conversation with someone else? Well, I haven't done this in a bunch of years, but here's a, <laughs> it's actually a great question. I used to teach this all the time. So um, someone once asked me, so if you're in this networking event, you know, who do you know who to go up to and talk to? I said, well, the first thing I'm doing is I'm looking for someone who's smiling <laughs> because if they're smiling, they're looking to engage because they're, they're displaying open nonverbal communication. Second thing, the best thing, you know, again, going back to the four pillars, seeking thoughts and opinions. Well, a great thing to do, I think, to initiate a conversation is seek a thought and opinion about what I call a third party reference. In other words, if you're meeting a stranger for the first time, you don't want to be intrusive and say, hey, tell me about yourself. You know, that could be very right. You don't want to tell them about yourself because who cares? But you can seek a thought and opinion about, you know, maybe something they see in the room, someone else talking, an engagement, a talk that's going on, some art on the wall. Um, a cell phone service. I mean, it could be about absolutely anything, but I call a third party reference. This is very neutral. And now you're demonstrating that affiliation and desire and value of them by seeking their thoughts and opinions about that. After they give those thoughts and opinions, you follow up like, wow, how did you come up with that idea? You know, when did you decide to do this? What were the challenges along the way? What were the challenges you had of getting here today? You know, what are your challenges of being in a networking event? I mean, there you can make some real common ground right there. <laughs> right. So I, I always start out with seeking thoughts and opinions. And then even if you want to dive right in with the, what I call the challenges questions, you know, everyone has challenges. And when you hear someone sharing their challenges, whether how they got to the event through traffic or the challenges dealing with local weather, challenges of getting up early because I have a little one at home, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what, the first thing that comes out of someone's mouth is basically their priorities. And remember, the second pillar is talk in terms of their priorities. Well, now you know what they are and just keep exploring them. Okay, I think we can just end it right there. That's, that's. Drop the mic moment. <laughs> right, drop the mic. We're good. I know that you've got a couple of books coming out, speaking engagements, all of that. If anyone wants more information about this, because there's so much more, y'all, that you can dig into, you're not going to become a behavioral analyst or the most charismatic speaker of all time, just from this 20 minute conversation. But guess what? You can dig in and you can study and you can, you can get more tips. So Robin, if they want more information, more tips, how, how can they, what, what do you recommend? Yeah. The the best thing to have any more content for me where we really go deeper and expand is uh, just go to my website. It's called people formula, all one word, peopleformula.com. I have lots of links. As a matter of fact, a link to this um, broadcast will be on there when it comes out. Lots of links to podcasts. I have lots of videos out there. I actually have an online training course. Um, I have. I'm actually revamping right now. And actually, I'm going to offer it free, um, the 10 Techniques to Quick Report. Um, that people can check out and, uh, and do on their own for free. It's based on my first book. And um, also just, oh, I have a newsletter out as well that you can sign up for the newsletter. I probably put it out every month or so or quarterly, you know, talking about one aspect of the behaviors that we've been talking about today. What was the name of that training course again? 
Uh, so um, the the big one is called the People Formula, which is all my content together in one. Um, but the the one that's going to be for free is called the uh, Top Ten Techniques for Quick Rapport. Nice, nice. And there'll be a link for it on the website probably in November. Robin, thank you so much for your time. This is incredibly useful. Now I know what to do when I go out to the next networking event. I actually have an event that I'm going to today. So I'm going to look for the most bubbly looking happy person at 8 a.m. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Keep their thoughts and opinions about something going on around them and you will not get them to shut up. I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Lead with Levity podcast. Go to www.leadwithlevity.com to access show notes and other resources.